Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. Some of the messages we got yesterday, buddy. Would I announce that Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon would be pushed to around brunch on a Wednesday was uh, very, very humorous. The grounds crew gets a kick out of it, and they were pretty thrilled, actually, that we even announced that I was being pushed today. I had several messages being like, I just appreciate that I don't have to refresh every 15 minutes. So very kind of the grounds crew who does uh, tune in all the time that you're waiting around and refreshing and stuff, but we are here. We're getting the mailbag done a day late. We comb through all of your interactions every single week and we have a pile of them. So if you don't get your comment or question on apologies, just keep trying. We really do try to switch it up. Of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter at walk off podcast on Instagram, the walk off podcast. You can join the discord, which is always a happening place. We're pushing 300 members at this point. Always talking blue Jays, always talking baseball for a link to our discord. Just DM us nice and easy Instagram or Twitter. And you can always get that priority bump. If you join the Patreon, that is patreon.com slash the walk off. Right. Did I get that? Okay. Okay. From the Patreon, speak of the devil. Josh DM'd us and simply said, Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a tough one. And that was the real test yesterday against the Padres. It's a very potent lineup. Of course, Alec Manoa came back against Detroit and looked pretty good, right? Put in six innings, allowed a run. Last night, completely different animal. Three innings pitched. He only got nine outs, 92 pitches. The dude labored through the first inning, uh, 42 pitches just in the first. He's allowed four runs, four hits, five walks, which was definitely an Achilles heel and zero strikeouts. Now, I will give Alec a little bit of leeway on this one. The first inning was tough. Okay, The umpire made some poor calls, especially against that at bat where he was facing Juan Soto. I think they went at it for like 10 pitches and he, he had two balls called against them that were probably strikes. He probably got himself out of that at bat and then gave up the two run home run. Honestly, Adam, and this is where I was at. I, I will give Alec leeway uh, on that. However, that said, I think it's pretty safe to say the verdict is in, right? we can't depend on Alec Manoa in a big game. Can we like, I, I feel like in a scenario where a bad call happens and it derails your entire pitching performance, maybe you're not quite ready to be in a big moment. Cause there's going to be bad calls in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know what to say. It's uh. Didn't make me feel good. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, he definitely can't be counted on. Like, it, just in terms of this season and roster construction. Mm-hmm. In broad terms, right? We can talk to the point of the year. We can talk potential trades. Yes, I don't think we can. The old we just roll them out and just punt every five days. That doesn't feel good, does it? Oh, that is not an option in my opinion. I mean, if this team was just trying to get through the regular season and and playoffs weren't in in reach, that might be a way you could go about it. Just trying to get innings out of him and see if you can kind of get him right in the big leagues. But dude, the schoolyard taunt yesterday kept going through my head of we need a pitcher. Not a belly itcher. <laughs> and Manoa definitely skewed to the belly itcher side of things yesterday, man. And I just, I, you know, like, I, I know we're going to get into the 40-man roster and the limited spots available currently and where this team goes from here. The fact that you touched on it, Hinjin Ryu on the verge of returning. Chad Green is now in rehab mode and should be ready to go within a month or so. There are some assets that need to be added to this team and there's going to be a crunch. And I'm kind of at the point where is Alec Manoa even safe on his spot? Like, is this something where they kind of sit Alec down and they're like, listen, we did our best to get you back. What we need to do is really slow things down, put you in double A AA or triple A for the rest of the season. Don't even worry about the big league team. Worry about yourself. Worry about getting right. I don't think this is based on yesterday either, Adam. I think that they needed starting pitching before Alec kind of face planted yesterday, but I did feel like yesterday was the test. You know, like like I think Ross Atkins really did wish to see what he's got in Alec Manoa, and he probably will do the same with Hinge and Ryu. We're probably going to see Ryu as soon as, you know, the next available turn through the rotation. And I don't think that that's going to be necessarily if they get a starting pitcher. I think they're going to, but it might be way the caliber that they go after, right? Like if both Manoa and Ryu are just flops and you're really rolling the dice to even get a couple innings out of them in a start, they need to go out and get a guy who can start. Well, I don't care about this. You're saying. Ryu might pitch for the Blue Jays within the next five days. Within the next week, I think. Yeah, I know uh, his last start in Buffalo. He pitched eighty-five pitches, went five innings. He's on the bump in Buffalo. I think today it might be. It might be tomorrow, but after that, so you know, within that seven-day range, we could see Hinjin Ryu in a Toronto Blue Jays jersey for the first time. Since June of last season. Well, I mean, one big rule from the Mayor's is we didn't burn any Trevor Richards innings, so that's good. Um, that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, that was good at home run in the first inning. Came after a blown call by the Empire? Yes. Oh, it should have been a third strike. You agree with that? I, didn't I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree with that. It was a terrible call. In fact, the umpire was questionable all game long. 
But that, that okay. My question is, like Pete Walker comes out, gets ejected, straight up, telling the entire bullshit into the waiting, right? Not to him, but yeah, that's why he got ejected. Yeah, first yeah. yeah, he didn't make eye contact. He didn't make eye contact with the umpire, but definitely said loud enough to Alec Manoa, don't worry about a big guy. Obviously, this is on you. This umpire is a giant piece of fill in the blank, right? <laughs> so, oh, you heard that? That was <laughs> his ears work better than his eyes, apparently. Um love that just from a have your guys back standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been seeing many ejections from the management. Does that weigh into the calculus on evaluating Alec Manoa? Do you do you want to give him any slack because the ump was missing calls and should have gotten out of that first inning and. That would have changed things, or is it just like, yeah, you're gonna get bad calls though, and you got to be able to power through it. You can't let a couple bad calls derail you. I mean, there's there's two sides to this. So in the big picture, in the big picture of things, yes, I absolutely give Alec Manoa some leeway. We all knew he wasn't fixed, right? He had one good outing against the Tigers, so we knew single A teams, all right against double A teams, pretty good against triple A teams. <laughs> now on the other side yes in the short term i don't think that you can give him leeway on the fact that a couple bad calls derailed him i think that this season's too important and the front office has to take into account where alec manoa's confidence is and how shaky it is because that's what happened right and i don't know if anyone out there has ever done that and struggled at one thing and you've put all kinds of effort and time and work into getting right and getting good at this thing and you get into it and then the first like few minutes in something happens to completely derail you and despite the fact that you put all this work in you kind of shot your confidence there because you weren't 100 percent sure in yourself as it was and things started to go downhill we've all been there like I, my heart goes out to Alec Manoa. He's in a really shit situation, man. But to take just to take all of the human side out of this, which is not something you want to do too often, but you kind of need to when you're evaluating where the team is at and what you need at the trade deadline. When you take all of that out of it, you can't you can't depend on Alec Manoa. You just can't. Well, we got Brewers on the bench tonight, and we got Bassett. And we got the two mm-hmm. And we got two days of question marks with uh, Gary Gossman is injured now. Yeah, so. Scott. Honestly, I don't know, dude. The dream is he's dealing with some slight discomfort coming out of the All Star game. They've got some days off. They are able to just give him the time needed because they need him to be an absolute horse in October and overuse him, right? Like, that's the truth. With Kevin Gosman, old Gary G there, we need him to go on short rest in the playoffs. We need him to be ready at every turn, basically, because he is the guy. 
And if that means giving him some extended rest in July, I think that's the right move. Now, the nightmare scenario is that there's more to it. I don't even want to get into that. (laughs) Let's move on. Uh, Maybe we see Ryu this week. We literally could, dude. I'd be surprised if we didn't. I was just going to say, on a balance of probabilities, I would say more likely that we do see him. I have more confidence in 36-year-old Hinjin Ryu coming off Tommy John surgery than I do in Alec Manoa right now. And I don't know if that is a good thing or a horrible thing, but either way, it's not uh, It's it's not a good thing, I guess. It's definitely not a good thing. I'll play the on August 1st. Next, next Tuesday. Uh, we have two Manoa things between now and now. If we don't get a six-man rotation. Or, obviously, that, you know, things get, get changed. Do you think we see Alec Manoa make both of those starts? I don't know if we see him make both of those starts. I think we, for sure, without a doubt, see him one more time. Honestly, dude, if he face plants again, we might not see him for the rest of the season. I don't think that this team wishes to yo-yo him back and forth between. So what they would do is if he did face plant again, and then they fix that with the trade deadline looming, they probably give a spot up, try and get him right in the minors. He's got options, which we're going to talk options a little later on, but yeah. Oh. Exercise old demons, maybe from the wild card game. I don't know, man. I if it, I don't even know what to say. Like if it's good, yeah, yeah. But Seattle's like not a world beater either. Mm-hmm. You don't put too much stock in a good outing, and if it's bad, I would immediately send him down. I wouldn't wait. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm worried about this. I have trades need to happen. I think I'm. I know. I'm this has played out. I know. I know. Two months ago, Adam, when we would talk, Alec Manoa, both of us are fairly confident that career-wise, he's fine. We're just worried about this season. I'll be honest, dude. I'm starting to worry about this big man's career in general. Uh, where are you at? Where temperature check on on your end on Alec Manoa just. Just as a starting pitcher in general. Oh, don't do that. Do me? <laughs> uh, man, I wasn't ready for this conversation. Ooh. No, I'm fine. I'm okay. Fine. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, get off the ledge. Get, get me off, off the, the ledge, ledge everybody. <laughs> Come on. Step away from the subway tracks. Um, no. All the Indian at all the yeah. adjustments. This is just maybe it's the fitness, generally speaking, in the pitch count. I don't know. I'm, I'm not worried about him. Yeah, okay. long term, like next season. Your confidence, your yeah. confidence gives me confidence. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, if it's a no fight for next season, though. The water's going to quickly boil. Yes. Um, spring training. And April. 
are going to be very important to Alex Manella. Let's move on from that then. Alec Manoa, what a bummer of a conversation. Um, This one's from Toonsday with Johnny. uh, Message us on Patreon. Said, I know you guys touched on it. Uh, a little at the live show in Edmonton, but how realistic do you think it is that A, Ross Atwood would even think of trading for Arenado, and B, what would it take to get it done? After briefly mentioning the idea of such a trade, were that Matt Chapman is on an expiring contract and uh, needing to be traded or offered an extension? and then serious need for middle-of-the-lineup power. Uh, and I see Chapman plus prospects for Arenado solving both. What are your thoughts? Okay, so I brought this up at the live show. This is an idea that it has been percolating in the old, uh, the old uh, brain sack here of mine for about 10 days. And the longer it's in there, buddy, the more I want this because it fits the Jays' needs long-term so well, and it fits what they need right now so well. So they need a big middle-of-the-order bat who can drive in runs. Also, Matt Chapman, we're all aware of his expiring contract and the fact that he is going to be the most sought-after third baseman in Major League Baseball at the top of the free agent market in that position. We're also aware... There's not a lot of other options, viable options anyways, that would at least plug the hole at third or even be a step up from Matt Chapman. That doesn't exist in this market, free agent next year. We're also aware Addison Barger, despite the fact being one of the Blue Jays' top 10 prospects and having uh, flashes of brilliance at the plate over the last couple of years and definitely has put himself on that uh, keep your eye on him watch list mm-hmm. there are speculation there's speculation out there Shai Davidi wrote about it that he may need surgery after this year now yes there there is that asterisk he might but as soon as you're a 23 year old who might need surgery on his arm you know, and I, I, I hope I hope he's fine and I hope that everything uh, goes Addison's way. I'm just saying betting on him as a replacement at third base for Matt Chapman in 2024 is probably a dangerous endeavor to go down. So Nolan Arenado, he is owed i think it's 35 million a year for the next two seasons and then it drops down from there. Uh, if maybe Adam, you can pull up the exact details of his, his contract. He is, he is under contract for, I think it is five more years. He's 32 years old, but Nolan Arenado still plays a mean hot corner. Still, even at his age, one of the top defensive third basemen in all of baseball, which is crazy to say because the blue Jays have a stalwart there themselves, but Nolan Arenado might even be a step up from Chappie. Uh, the bat definitely is. So what does it 
what is it going to take to get Nolan Arenado? This is a pie in the sky idea, by the way, everybody. Like this is this is uh outside the box way of fixing this third base hole down the road and giving the Blue Jays what they need. I don't know what St. Louis is after. Does St. Louis just wish this money off the books? Because if that's the case, they may be able to do something like, who knows, maybe they don't even need to throw in Matt Chapman with the expiring contract and they can move Matt Chapman for for assets or other things that, that could bolster this lineup. They definitely probably need one top prospect in there for sure. So maybe you can get away with a Rolvis Martinez who has made some major strides was just promoted the other day to triple a. So Aralvis now a Buffalo Bison, 21 years old, already homered, by the way, triple a. already homered in Buffalo. And there's, there's rumors that one of the reason he was called up is that you, there's just more scouting and more uh, other organizational player development folks around to see triple a games. So they're kind of, uh, uh, showcasing him, if you will, Adam. I don't know if that's the case. The guy's been absolutely destroying Double A since May first, so the call up just kind of makes sense on his development path. That said, definitely more eyes on him in Triple A, and the trade deadline just weeks away. So of course that's going to increase the speculation. I would love Dolan Arenado. I don't think it's going to happen. And I think that there will be good competition around the league for it, for all the reasons we just stated about third base, but it does remind me of that Jose Reyes, Jeff Hoffman for Troy Tulowitzki trade that the Jays pulled off in 2015, obviously completely different front office, completely different uh, scenario. And with fewer teams in the playoffs, different competition for, for, the assets available at that deadline. But personally, I would love to see Nolan at the hot corner. Where are you at Adam on a trade like this is, is, am I stepping like, do you think it would take Tiedemann? For Nolan or not? Cause if it takes Tiedemann, I feel that's too much, but if they can get a deal like this done with maybe uh, a Rolvis and Sam Roberts and a few others, I mean, you said yourself pie in the sky, right? Yeah. Um, I just this this is shooting for the stars. <laughs> I don't buy for a second that he's even available. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. from like a pie in the sky perspective is like. I mean, does he fit with the Jays? Yeah. Does he solve a bunch of other? Yeah. Is he even a little bit available? I almost certainly. I just I know the Cardinals are like disappointing this year, Mm -hmm. but the same third base problems exist to them as well, right? Like. Everything that I mentioned about the Blue Jays and the lack of third base availability around the league, like they they, they would have to solve that problem too. Yeah, like I don't know. I I guess like if you're worried about money off the books, sure. 
But, like, Nolan Arenado also has, like, a pretty team-friendly contract, all things considered. He's coming up to the the cheapest first of the year. He's got another $35 million coming next year, uh, then 32 then 27 then 15 And then he has another, like, $30 million deferred over the next 11 years after that. <laughs> um, but, like, He's like a set it and forget it 30 home run guy. Yeah. Who's going to get you third like at least defense at third base. Um maybe that is like under maybe the most underrated player in baseball. Yeah. Because he played forever in Colorado. And now with the Cardinals. The Cardinals haven't like been much, I guess, since he, yeah. he's come to town. Um, it's really he's the most underrated player in baseball, considering he gets like top five MVP votes almost every season of his life. Um, but he's so good. He's so good. Like, he is. That's not like really, really good at third base. And Nolan better. Arenado, way Nolan better. Arenado, way better. A huge step up, absolutely. Definitely no slouch. Multiple goal runs himself. Um, yeah, the more the more you bring up his pluses, the more I'm like, yeah, this is a deal that would take Aralvis and Ricky. Yeah, to move the needle, it would take both of them. And I just, I mean, the Cardinals. Yeah, again, disappointing season, but they are in such a. I don't want to call it a soft division. But it's a soft division. Division, yeah. man. Like Milwaukee, Cincinnati, the Pirates, and the Cubs. What it's going to come down to is, and we we don't have a crystal ball and we don't know what that front office is thinking. It really is going to come down to how much are the cards thinking of stripping down. There's all these rumors that they are going to go through a bit of a rebuild. But what does that look like? Because there are many different teams out there who have retooled, right? And having a guy like Arenado at the hot corner, maybe you can really expedite the speed on that that rebuild retool, and maybe they're competitive again in 2024 when Nolan Arenado is still just 34 years old and probably has plenty of pop left in that bat. Like that's the thing with Arenado, man. Is I'm not I'm not going to put him in the doesn't age category yet at 32. You know, like, I don't think we can, we can, you know, stamp him with the Nelson Cruz. Don't worry about his bat in, in his late 30s yet. But his swing, the way he approaches his hitting at the plate, man. He doesn't, he doesn't expand his strike zone. He's got a great eye. He's got a very quick bat. All of these things translate into a lengthier career at the plate with success. He has like zero injury history too. Mm-hmm. He 150 games every single season. He had the longest extended streak of his career since 2018 this year. Like think about that kind of consistency. And if you look at Nolan Arenado's numbers for this year, by the way, it looks good. He had a cold last 
uh, week of uh, first couple weeks of April, I should say. Yeah, he's uh, runs right now, uh, 286 batting average, an OPS plus of 132. Right. I don't know. Has Paul Goldschmidt, who NL MVP last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still in the contract next year. Played full space, 35. But if, if you want any position to be like your old guy, it's first base. Like you can yes. still. Put Paul Goldschmidt in probably five more years. Oh, by the way, the NL has DH now, so like, yeah, that helps. Yeah, they're like they have some decent young guys, like that Jordan Walker seems like a yeah. promising rookie. Uh, Not a, a good health season for the Canadian kid. Mm-hmm. It's a, I don't know. They just signed Wilson Contreras to a five-year deal. I don't think this is a team that has any interest in, like, doing a big rebuild all of a sudden. Yeah. Is, is you know, far more likely. Mm-hmm. Aaron Otto would, yeah, absolutely be awesome on the Blue Jays. But... Likelihood almost zero, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't think the Blue Jays have the like, it. If, for whatever reason, the president of the Cardinals did come out and was like, you know what? Things have gone to shit. We are. Everyone's available. I don't think the Blue Jays have anywhere close to the trade capital to compete for Nolan Arenado. Because if he's actually available, way more teams have more than two top tier prospects to give him. Like, we're talking Ricky and Relvis. That caliber. And they would all want I can't think of a single team where he wouldn't improve them. He's one of those guys. Like you said, incredibly underrated. Nice in an Orioles uniform, but. Baltimore fans would probably think that, and they have some prospects to trade. So, Anyways. I kind of hope this is, and we won't spend too much time on this, but I do kind of hope the Orioles push their chips in this year at the trade deadline. It would be such chaos if all of a sudden the Baltimore Orioles go out there and, and grab Marcus Stroman and grab Josh Hader, and next thing you know, they're adding a big bat, taking on money because they've got all the, the room Salary wise, what is your level of vitriol towards the Orioles? But of all the Orioles teams, not named the Toronto Blue Jays, I still feel like the Orioles would be if anybody was to go to the World Series. I'd rather see the Orioles than the Rays, Yankees, or Red Sox. I feel the same way, and I still just wish to put a big asterisk on that and say my vitriol for them is still incredibly high, incredibly, incredibly high, and I think it's only going to rise as this team continues to get better. <laughs> it's, it is definitely going to be high. Because I look back to 2016, man, when they were both at each other's throat, and then you know they had that big wild card game where, with Edwin and the, the walk-off home run in, in extra innings. Like, dude, I hated 
the Orioles in 2016, far more than I dislike the Red Sox or the Rays. So, you know, depending on where these teams are in the standings in the AL East kind of uh, floats or sinks my my dislike of them. <laughs> I can't see myself hating them as much as the Yankees or the Red Sox, and the Rays are just always annoying. Yes. Like the board and then a 9.9 for the Orioles. <laughs> okay, let's move on from there. Um, and so I'm all aboard for getting Stroman back with the Jays if we can, but who's the odd man out in the rotation? We're already going to be at six with Ryu coming back. Gossman, Bassett, Barrios signed long term. And Manoa still pre-arb. Kikuchi? I really hate to move him. So this was tweeted at us three days ago. And my, how things change quickly (laughs) when it comes to Major League Baseball. Because now I'm kind of like, I look at that tweet and I'm like, who cares? (laughs) Who cares where you put him? Uh, I'm not necessarily saying Strowman's my guy that I'd like to see come back, but yeah, someone of that ilk would sure be nice. You know, a Blake Snell is available and probably a little bit cheaper than Strowman. We'll see what's going on. And if the Padres are even going to be sellers, I know there's a lot of talk that the Padre pundits out there are pretty convinced they're not selling, right? That they've invested too much into this team and probably not going to move on, but Irrelevant. Let's just say Strowman, just as a placeholder for that, for that name, going and getting a starting pitcher. And and it's a good question, but Kevin Gosman, now there's a question mark next to him. Okay. Kikuchi has definitely looked far more human than the first half of the season, which is his MO, right? Put up a few decent months and then crater. So moving Kikuchi to the bullpen and adding a lefty who can throw 98 out of the pen. I'm not opposed to that. This team is going to need to get creative with how heavily they have worked their pitchers. And I know we've brought this up over the last week or two that there's many pitchers within this rotation and bullpen that are on pace for career highs and innings. It's a dangerous game to play. So I think they need to manage the innings by going out and getting a pitcher that they can stick in there and go to a six-man rotation, not long-term even. Mm -hmm. Do it for the month of August and then reevaluate where everyone's at. This is going to be a moving target when it comes to, you know, getting, threading the needle. You're going to need to thread the needle on, on managing these innings. And it's going to be a pain. It's going to be tough, but man, like looking at this rotation, can you imagine if there's something else wrong with Kevin Gosman, knock on all the wood and push those bad tacos away, get the F out of here. Okay. But like, just, just indulge me in the scenario that Kevin Gosman is instead of maybe able to pitch this weekend, three weeks away. That gets scary pretty darn quick. So I think you just need to, with this team, who is a playoff team, you need a little bit of leeway. And the only way to have that leeway is to have that depth within your system already. So yes, if the Blue Jays go out and and get a Marcus Stroman to fit into the rotation, 
What are they going to do? We already talked that Manoa can't be trusted. Manoa's spots on the bubble when you need to make that decision come September. I mean, August is fine. You're going to need to clear out some of your peripheral guys. Casey Lawrence has been sent packing, which isn't necessarily, I worded that improperly because Casey Lawrence had an opt-out in his, in his contract. So he hit free agent market. He's already in talks. Uh, there's rumors that both San Francisco and the Yankees are talking to Casey Lawrence. He is a good depth guy in AAA. He'll find a spot, but that does open up. Uh, he wasn't on the Blue Jays 40-man roster, but there's there's spots they're going to open up. I don't know, Patrick, but I don't care. Make it happen, Blue Jays. So... Yeah. I'm so curious if you have the next uh, it's 12 going days to be... play out, man. Yeah, man. We're going to watch this team do a Rubik's Cube with the 40-man roster. Do you think... Do you think we have a 2015 summer in us? Like a, a team of which DJ play. Followed by the most electric summer of my adulthood. I have been thinking about this, buddy, for weeks. Hot Ross Atkins. Feel I like know. it's it's the perfect storm for him to just be like. I mean, talk about pushing your chips in. To be like, yeah, Tiedemann, bye, Herolvis, bye. Let's showcase him at AAA. Let's go get, I don't even know who you'd get, but. I don't, I don't know if I have. 52 and 51 when, at the trade deadline in 2015, and then they won every game for the rest of the summer. Yeah, they, they had a 700 <laughs> winning percentage or something like that, won the division in the last 56 games or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, think, that, I think that Atkins has it in him. I don't know if I have the confidence in him to pull it off properly but it's gonna be interesting dude it It is going to be interesting (laughs) ryu i think he puts on saturday so he'd probably be lined up for another start in buffalo i think he's pitching today dude today or tomorrow yeah okay so like maybe he makes Manoa's next boat for him in Seattle. That's what I was. Yeah, man. I mean, timeline-wise, I think days rest. That's what would work out best. Or maybe he just follows Manoa. Maybe we just give every like. Maybe this time through the order, everybody pitches normally. He pitches after Manoa. And then everybody else just gets an extra day's rest. And we start a six-man rotation after that. I don't know. It's going to be so interesting, especially with the fact that Hinjin Ryu for sure being added to this team and is not occupying a 40-man roster spot, which kind of goes into our next question pretty well here. Okay. Well, pretty well. It gets into our oh, okay. three questions from now. Pretty, I should okay. arrange this better. This next one's a quick one, but let's get to this. Yeah. Uh, 
So it was about that smoking in the Discord. Shared a tweet about right. Arjun Namala signed for three million dollars. That was uh, seven hundred fifty thousand below slot value. Do you want to explain this? Okay, so Major League Baseball's draft is complicated and weird and kind of cool with the way they set it up. So they have a draft pool. The total draft pool is going to be $6.5 million and some change. Um, Every slot is allotted a value that Major League Baseball feels it's worth. Agents then sit down when the player has been drafted by an organization and they negotiate a number somewhere in that slot vicinity. Some guys can get far over slot depending how far they drop down, if they are considered a higher talent. A lot of this has to do with whether a player is in high school because if a player is drafted out of high school, they have a little bit more leverage when it comes to negotiating these prices because... They can straight up pull the parachute and say, you know what? I'm out. I'm not joining the organization. I'm not signing on the dotted line. I'm going to college. And then they can re-enter the draft in a few years down the road. So currently the Toronto Blue Jays, pretty much they have, uh, who is the last remaining dude here? Yeah, Watts Brown, who was drafted in the third round for the blue jays their third pick overall is the only guy who hasn't signed yet in the top 10 and from what i i i don't know i don't know the ends of this but from everyone who seems to have inside knowledge on twitter you know the guys who are following the prospects really closely they say that it seems like the blue jays are going to have no problem signing this guy so if they can lock up that top 10 picks that they did that is great news for them being able to go out and get namala under slot means that they had 700,000 extra dollars to put towards other draftees. They had a few that had dropped down slot wise where they were projected to go because they were younger and there was rumors that they wouldn't sign. So they took a couple of flyers on kids that maybe were picked far lower than they were expected to be. And so there are a couple of uh, guys that signed for far over slot. And that's where that $700,000 they saved on Namala came in handy. I tried. <laughs> Good explanation. I just. <laughs> the topic of money gets brought up. In this regard, it's like hard to not think about minor leaguers getting paid zero dollars. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, the Blue Jays are going to pay out fifteen million dollars in uh, draft signing. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to. It is. It is so. Hundred of their minor leaguers five thousand dollars for the rest of the year. Like, just divide it up and give everyone a hundred k, and then. Man, it is such a crapshoot. It is such a crapshoot. Like, think about the fact Arjun Namala signing under slot still got signed for $3 million. Now, to put that in perspective, 
The Toronto Blue Jays' number one prospect for one year ago, Gabriel Moreno, out of Venezuela, was taken in the international uh, free agency. They signed him for $20,000. Number one prospect. Also signed at 17 years old. <laughs> problem today, but it is like... It's, it's, a, it's a dumb problem, yeah. All right. Uh, sloppy bag of donuts. On yes. Twitter DM'd us. He's at our live show, by the way, in Edmonton. So shout out to him. Uh, After long toss and said, hey, guys, I'm watching the live stream and I don't want to come across as calling the viewers here stupid. Uh, explain options and sending guys down. So what happened is sloppy bag of donuts. As we do long toss. We great name. We do long toss every Sunday from six to eight East. We've got our panel on. Things can get heated in the chat. And he was just worried he was coming across as a dick because options are confusing. Okay. So we're going to try to give you a rough idea of what options are. Listen, there are so many little asterisks and different rules that come into play. So I'm sure that I'm going to miss things and feel free grounds crew to step in here and, and really break it down. For those of you who who know this system better than I do, but long story short, every major league player, once they are drafted are given three options. Now an option can be burned when they are called up to the major leagues. Once they are sent down. Now one option counts for one year. This isn't every time you're called up or sent down. This is one year is one option. So in a scenario where let's use Spencer Horowitz as an example, because he's a young kid friend of the show who was called up and got his major league debut this season. So bringing Spencer Horowitz up means he has two options left now. Now this option, his third option, which is 2023, he can be yo-yoed up and down as many times as he wants. That doesn't affect anything. So Come 2024, let's say he doesn't make the team out of spring training. So his options are still all intact. If he gets the call up, let's say in May, there's another option. So now his second option is gone, but they can still yo-yo him up and down the whole time in 2024. Okay. Super clear so far. This is where things get, this is where things get a little dicey is that service time matters and the length between being sent down matters. So in a scenario, let's say Adam Simber is a good example. Adam Simber actually still has options, but because he stuck at the major league level for the length of time that he was, they are optional options, which means he can turn down being sent to the minor leagues, which of course he is going to, because you just make less money when you're, in the minor leagues. Um, it gets even more complicated than that, but as long as you kind of get the idea that there is 40 man, a 40 man roster to be on the 26 man big league team, you have to have a 40 man roster spot. So guys that have a 40 man roster spot that aren't in the major leagues currently are guys like Otto Lopez, uh, Hagen Danner, who is in AAA currently, has a 40-man roster spot. The Rule 5 draft can 
make this even more complicated, which means if you are within an organization for, I, I forget the length of time, I'm going to say five years, someone can correct me. But if you are within an organization for a certain amount of time and you haven't been called up, you then can go into what is called the rule five draft where other organizations have the option to come in and pick you up. Now, if you're on the 40 man roster, you are protected and these teams can't poach these other assets. Davis Schneider is a good example. All his options are intact, but the blue Jays, despite him being probably the closest to the next man called up would need to make room on the 40 man roster for him to do so. Now, some of these guys on the 40-man roster, if you were to take them off of it, that means that they are now able to be picked up. They'd go onto the waiver wire, and these 29 other teams have the option to grab them. I don't know if I've done even close to a good job of explaining this. <laughs> yeah. The only point of clarification that I want to contribute is that if you are a major league player with a contract, like not a arbitration pre-arb guy, if you get sent down to the minors, you take Gucci when he got sent down to the minors last year, still got his full salary. Yes. So I don't know. Is that him somebody on the contract or is he pre-arb? He's, uh, that's a great question. I think he's I think he's pre-arb. Or not pre-arb. Sorry, I think he's arb. Uh, yeah, there we go. Slappy Bag of True. Donuts knows this. It's so funny. Slappy Bag of Donuts knows this because he Simber was his example he was using at the live show. But uh Adam Simber signed a one year three million dollar contract with the Blue Jays. Um so there is something called uh like a minor league. Contract, um, which is just like a uh, piece of language you put in the contract, which says yeah. like if you are sent down to the minors for performance-based reasons or whatever, then you get fifty percent of your salary. If that's not in a contract, let's just say with Adam Simber, would probably t- decline the option for not necessarily financial reasons. But like you say, Kikuchi gets sent down. The team goes to him and goes like, "Look, man, like you gotta be a team player here. You gotta." Mm-hmm. I mean, if the Blue Jays went to Adam Simber and said, "Hey, we gotta send," how do you think that conversation actually plays out? Exactly, a whole nother topic of conversation, right? Is is and if the Blue Jays are like, "Man, you stink. We need you," like. You know your ERA and your whip is terrible this year. Come on. Work There's even year. more to it, though, Adam, because the player union is also one of those uh, asterisks in this whole conversation where they don't want players under contract doing stuff like giving favors to the ownership groups and going down to the minor leagues for a bit where they can stash some salary, right? So it, it's a very sticky situation, and the 40-man roster is going to be a talking point over the next 10 to 14 days as the trade deadline approaches and Ryu and green get closer to being added to this team. Could be interesting. And roster here. The next one comes from Marcus G on Patreon. 
Uh, we're already long in the tooth, but let's get to it. Uh, Marcus says, could you comment on how the 40-man roster situation uh, works, how it will affect the rest of the season with respect to both internal promotions and transactions? And then some potential points to cover. Uh, Ryu and Green both need a spot on the 40-man when they return. David uh, Snyder, uh, who's been discussed before, would also need a spot if he gets called up. Potential redundancy of Biggio and Espinal. Circle of trust for John Schneider. Mm-hmm. Um, while White, Hatch, and Thornton are not so much. Um, at what point do you just throw asset management out the window and just cut bait? And then lastly, Semro Burst needs a spot on this winter. Sorry, needs a spot on the 40 man this winter or else he's eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Uh, does this make the Jays more or less likely to trade him at the deadline? Rule five draft. There, it's a use it or lose it. Uh, yes, kind of. Love rule, this right? question. This kind of really tied everything we were just talking about together here. Rule five draft. Yeah. Sem Roberts. They need a spot for Sem. I think there's no way around it. Semro Burst would would be claimed immediately and stuck in a bullpen and tried to get through that way. Very similar to what the Blue Jays did back in 2018 with Elvis Luciano. I don't know if you all remember that experiment that wound up. They wound up getting through the season and and keeping Luciano, and then he never really became anything and just kind of kicked around the Blue Jays minor league system for years. Um. Okay, let's talk. Uh, Ryu and Green both need a spot when they return. Oh, I will say this one. I'm not confident. Green plays for the Blue Jays this year. I mean, a lot has to go right. A lot has to go right, and this is the dream: is that Chad Green can return in September. Yes. Right can return in September. And, and I mean, the good news with this Toronto blue Jays bullpen is they are one of the best in the league. This bullpen has been lights out. It has been so nice to not constantly talk about how this bullpen is on fire. This is the first year in what, since we started the pod, right, Adam? We had starts to the season where the bullpen looked awesome. Remember Mm -hmm. uh, Chatwood looked good. Oh yeah. For about a month and a half. Raphael King Dolis, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, here's the nice thing with Chad Green is we know the skill set is there. Mm-hmm. Um, he is rehabbing right now, oh, right? Like he's playing. Yep. Uh, he actually threw live bullpen session just the other day and looks like he's going to get a start in, or not a start, but get work in High Vancouver as soon as this week. So, Chad Green, since he signed him, he will be a million bucks or something like that. Yeah. I always felt like this was not a piece that we were going to count on to contribute this year. Coming off Ion 2024. John, Ion 2024, right? Basically, hey, we're going to get a $10 million contract for 2024, but we'll start paying you today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I felt about it, anyways. Uh, with the bullpen being. As we need to rest him, right? Like he can, even if he's healthy and, and and pitching fine, 
he probably I mean, I guess the competitor in him wants to play mm-hmm. at the highest level. But as far as, like, 40-man giving him a spot, you don't have to. Right? Again, you don't get a full pay, whether it's in Vancouver, yeah. Buffalo, or Toronto. It, it is like a, a nice little piece of flexibility that we have built in there. We're like, if something comes up, if he's pitching well and he's healthy... Then we can have to. I don't know. It's a it's a nice little addition to the bullpen potentially that you could just pull the trigger on at any point. Yeah. Post which is a nice advantage to have, right? Because usually you're pretty much locked into your guys after August first. So that's nice. And this is this is nice, and and I mean, I really liked his question on when do you pull shoot on some of these roster sparts and and just go for the best roster you can construct and and forget about your assets of course that has to do with thomas hatch trent thornton and mitch white all three of these guys are roster spots that are definitely on the bubble and could we could see them being dfa'd to open up a 40-man roster spot uh there's some interesting things we could see adam because alejandro kirk has options i'm not saying put alejandro kirk in the minor leagues but maybe you do you know like He's been god awful this month. I'm I, again. I don't think that this is even a possibility, but we could see some interesting, like I called it before, Rubik's cube moves to try and fit all of these pieces in to this forty man roster. Well, I want to go down the list of forty man minor leaguers that we have. Okay. Blue Jays right now, but do have a spot on the forty man. I'm not going to include uh, yeah, I'll just read that entire list. this one by one. You tell me how good you feel about moving on. Using that spot from them. Okay. okay. Um, so in no particular order, Hag and Danner. No, I don't. I... I I mean, I could be being biased here, Adam, because, you know, Haggy D's friend of the show. Good, good guy. I, I message with him all the time on Instagram. I, uh, yeah, I'm cheering for Haggy D. That said, uh, 24 year old that throws 100 miles an hour in triple A. I'd I'd hang on to that. <laughs> uh, Francis. We don't have much depth. He's really the only guy that we've seen be able to come up and give some length. We don't have a long man. I hang on to Bowden uh, with both hands. <laughs> He's a bubble boy. Yeah, you hang on to Pop. Bubble boy. Although he's been although he's been very good this year in AAA. Hang on to him. Catcher AAA right now. Well, this would really depend on what's going on with the trade deadline. If they don't go out and get a veteran catcher, which is a scenario that I could see happening. But if they don't, you absolutely have to hang on to Tyler Heineman, 31-year-old veteran catcher. He's the only guy that I think has the experience with this starting staff that if there was an injury, God forbid, there's a bad taco to either Kirky or Jano. He's... I. Yeah, you yeah. need Heine there. Yeah. Boy, but you've talked me into it. Okay, Tyler, you're safe. 
Uh, <laughs> Addison Barger. No, you keep Addy, obviously. You could bubble boy him. No, you keep Leo. He's probably got... he. Leo has too much value on the open market to, to lose him. Yeah, you hang on to Otto. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, hang on to Aurelvis. He's your number two prospect. Horowitz. <laughs> you hang on to Spence. So, pictures right now. I'm yeah. throwing Otto Lopez in there. Uh, and that's fair. On... I mean, nothing against Otto Lopez, but no, I think we've. I I think you are correct in the assessment that Otto Lopez is a very good young player with versatility around the infield that has yet to show he can hit at all. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're looking at Thomas Hatch, Trent Thornton. Those are probably your most tastiest of doubles. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Jay Jackson? You're good about him? I feel really good about Jay Jackson. Um, I think Jay Jackson. Hey, I'm about to give praise to Ross Atkins. This was a really good pickup in the off season. Jay Jackson has been there and done that. He's a guy who has been with good organizations in the past and has been yo-yoed up and down. He knows who he is. He knows where he fits on a team. He chose the Blue Jays, seeing them as a possible contender and seeing himself fit in to that bullpen. Ross Atkins managed to get him under contract on a contract. You can yo-yo him up and down. Even when he had the option to opt out in April, he still stuck with the Blue Jays knowing where this team was headed. Listen, big league bullpen depth is so hard to come by. It is so hard to just stash a dude in AAA who can get guys out in the bigs, man. Like, it, it's not a thing. So tip of the hat to the front office. We don't always uh, shine a light on their, their good doings. Normally, it's their wrongdoings that we're so quick to point out. But in this particular scenario, great job on Atkins and the, the front office on bringing in Jay Jackson and, and convincing him that Toronto is a place where he should be in purgatory, which is kind of what he's been. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Jay Jackson, Jay Jackson is a guy that if they don't bolster the bullpen at the trade deadline, very well could have a spot in September. And if they do is probably the odd man out. But love what he's doing, dude. I don't know if you've heard about his personal life, but his uh, wife just gave birth to their son who was born four months premature. So he's hooked up. He's hooked up to, he's doing very well and he's under really good care and all that. But he currently is in like, I, I'm going to blow my cover is not a doctor here, but incubator thing, you know, the little, the, the, the thingy, you know, the thingies, everybody. <laughs> but you know, well, while this is on his plate, he's also been in Toronto contributing to 
a bullpen that's one of the best in the league. So tip of the hat to Jay Jackson, man. Love to see it. Okay. Um, I think that covers most of the potential redundancy of Biggio and Espinal. Does either of them get moved? No. I mean, who knows, dude? That's a really good question. If there is a, if there is a, a piece on this everyday roster that could be moved, it's somebody at second base, probably. So, yeah, going to be interesting to see. Deadline is like, I mean, it's going to be cool to see, you know, does Shohei end up? Does he stick with the Angels? Whatever. It's like in a million years you wouldn't see coming. Yeah. Or part of something like that. Like, like Whip Merrifield last year. I didn't see that coming. No. Spinal could definitely be a part of like just like a a trade that makes total sense. You see it, but yeah, you never. Also, by the way, before we go into the last one, I just want to cover our bases here because I know we're going to get a pile of comments that we didn't bring up the fact that this team needs an impact bat for the cleanup middle of the order spot. I. I know we've talked starting pitching. I'm just saying like, uh, yeah, we're aware it's not just starting pitching. They need everybody. So before you get into the squirreling away, you're on your comment section. <laughs> okay. Uh, so comes in from Patreon. Uh, Wyatt says, Hey fellas, question for the mailbag. Curious. Who do you think of all the blue Jays heading into free agency this season? Who do you think is most likely to resign with the team? Ooh. That is a very good question. If, if I was a, a betting man, I think I'd put my money on Kevin Kiermeyer. I think he's a guy that this front office likes what they've seen out of him. He really likes Toronto. You can tell that he connects with the Canadian crowds and really gets a kick out of how the Blue Jays fans travel so well and show up in droves in places. Uh, I think his family really likes Toronto. You know, he, He's a family guy, and the fact that his wife and kid have a place in Toronto and are just very visible when it comes to being at games and stuff like that, they they enjoy being an ambassador of the Toronto Blue Jays, and I can see um, for the price that it would cost to bring him back and the value that he adds to this team, I can see the Blue Jays going out and maybe signing him two years, $20 million, something like that. Yeah. How about yourself, buddy? Is there a guy you see more likely coming back? Yeah, he's top of my list. Uh, the list of UFAs this offseason include Ryu, Chapman, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer. That's the list. You know who I would option, but you know who I would love to see this team re up on, dude. And this, I, 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 I. I... I am going to say Ryu, and this is there is a caveat to this, a little asterisk. Obviously, this depends on how he looks over the next little stint of this season. But if he comes in and and pitches some innings, and let's say let's say he comes in, gives this team five innings every sixth start, and allows one to two runs in those five innings, maybe he gives up a stinker here and there. I'd be totally fine with them seeing if they can maybe on a one-year deal 
lock Ryu up again for 15 to $20 million and fill out this rotation for 2024. I, I like his acumen. The fact that he's a guy who has never relied on velocity. The fact that he is in the best shape of his life. I like it, man. And it scares me to it's other than his arm. It scares me to think of him in a race uniform, which is my worst nightmare watching him win a Cy Young award for $11 million in a Tampa Bay Ray uniform. <laughs> The idea of bringing him back. Gossman has three more, more years. Three more years Three on Gossman. is here forever. Kikuchi, yep. final season next year. Manoa, yes. hopefully. Mm-hmm. Is this good again? Uh, six man rotation? That's not going to fly all season long. Kikuchi's in the solution. Yeah, I, I, this organization has been so freaking lucky with their starting pitchers in 2023, dude. I mean, they are literally leading the league in innings pitched. I think there's a, I think Atlanta is the only team with more innings pitched from their starters. I just don't buy it that the baseball gods will smile on this team two years in a row with that kind of luck and having six starters that are viable starters, not a bad scenario to be in. If we do a six-man rotation. Just for the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. Right, whether that the good guys plus Manoa and Ryu, or whether that's the good guys plus Ryu and Marcus Stroman, or... Or whoever, uh, yes. Seven on both ends. I guess, yeah. Basically, we get so many pitchers. We get so many roster spots. 13 pitchers you get. So if we're going to carry five starters, you get eight bullpen arms. Break it down however you want. The math is pretty simple. Square root of that divided by Pythagoras. Six to seven. It's a small bullpen. It is a small bullpen. Um... As long as you're getting the length you need out of your starters, I think you're okay. This is a, like the six man rotation is not ideal. And I think it's something that they, I kind of stated rotation. They do. And and I, I, I kind of stated this off the top of the show, but I don't want to see a six man rotation necessarily the full season, but you know, like give, give me a, a six man rotation the last week of July until the last week of August, and then reevaluate and see where we're at. Right. Maybe at that point we have given enough rest to everybody that we can go all in, you know, move a guy to the bullpen, dial in that microscope. I don't know, man. It's, it's, I'm actually, as I look at this whole thing, like it's really fun to speculate and, and, try and do the Rubik's cube on our own. But I am so curious to see how the front office goes about bolstering this team and what winds up happening on the 40 man roster and who is where and how the starting pitching shakes out. Buddy, so many question marks that are going to get answered in the next two weeks. It's pretty cool. Looking forward to it. Next two weeks. The next two weeks today. Like I feel yeah. like. Deadline moves. July 19th, dude, it's coming, man. Like, it is right here. Or anybody who is thinking of making a move, like, 
decisions need to be made soon. I mean, that's why we saw Manoa get called up, I think, is because we had to figure out if there was anything in the big match or not. And, uh, yeah, the last outing, I think, tipped the scales, even if not conclusively, that he's a dud for the rest of the season. He definitely tipped the scales towards, oh, yeah, we need something. We need a starting pitcher. So... Couldn't agree more. I'm Let's excited to see there, how buddy. this plays out. Okay. That was a fun mailbag. Great job, everybody. Uh, feel free. You can always reach out to us on Twitter and on Instagram at Walk Off Podcast on Twitter. By the way, Blue Jays Twitter, tip of the hat. We hit over 2,000 followers just the other day, which is pretty darn cool. So thank you so much. I, I uh, am shocked you're just following this moron, but uh, appreciate it. At Walk Off Podcast, follow us. Uh, the walk off podcast on Instagram, uh, shoot us a message. If you want to join the discord, it's always a happening place. And it's really a fun, um, civil blue Jays conversation. It is, it is a much nicer community based place to be than Twitter. So if you, if you like talking blue Jays without some of the toxicity, then our discord is fantastic for that. Patreon, a tip of the hat. We appreciate all the Patreon members. And of course, you get that priority Patreon bump. When it comes to the mailbag, you get priority uh, viewership to all of our programs and you get the one extra show a week of MLB Mondays. All right, everybody, we will see you Friday morning. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening. 